good, always good when the, uh, the Bible gives you the illustration for the morning. Um, so what are we doing today? We're doing Psalm 1, but let's, let's just have a think about where we're going this morning. Uh, I want to talk about um, New Year's resolutions for a minute. I want to talk about my most recent $1 op shop purchase called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I think that ties in today, so I'll be preaching from that a little bit. Um, then we're going to look at the psalm that tells us about what we should do and not do to be happy. Now, at the end, I'm going to give you a challenge, okay? So, it's all happening this morning. I've got a few things I'm hoping the kids can help me with as well. So, the kids are in today and um, if any of the kids or the adults find me a little boring, there is some activity sheets at the back and you can do some mindful colouring as you listen. Okay, but I'm sure when we get to certain points, you will pay attention. So, I've got a question for you all. Um, Diane talked last Sunday and it wasn't yet the first Sunday of the year. This is it. This is the first Sunday of the year. It's taken us a while to get there because it's day seven of the year. But um, I just wanted to check with you, who here, just show me your hand, um, did you make a New Year's resolution this year? Anyone at all? Okay, there's, so there's a few in the room. Who thought you might have needed one but were a little afraid to make a resolution? Anyone like that? You had something in mind, you thought, no, by day seven, it's going to be done. So if Darren asks me, <laughs> it's going to be finished already. Uh, I'm a bit like that. I'm, I'm afraid of that commitment. But why do we make New Year's resolutions? Or why is it a thing, traditionally? Well, it's because we recognise the need for change, I would say. Is that right? Because you don't want to stay the same. Some of you didn't put your hand up to either of those things because you are very content. You've sort of arrived. That's okay. This talk is not for you today. Um, but usually, when you make um, a New Year's resolution, it's because you recognise the need to change. And as I was pondering that, I had this epiphany. It's not that deep because it comes from me. But I had this thought, God doesn't need to make New Year's resolutions, does he? Well, that's pretty cool. Why doesn't God need to make New Year's resolutions? Because God is not in need of change and he doesn't change. God is complete and perfect. He's thorough through and through in his character and his behaviour. I thought, what a thing to rest on in the new year. And we're going to see that's what the psalmist is going to tell us to do. But there's another thing, another reason that we make New Year's resolutions. Not only are we unhappy where we're at, um, we do. We just want to turn to something that makes us happy. And for some of you that have been in the church a long while, you're thinking, am I allowed to just say, I want to be happy this year? Is that okay? Am I supposed to put my hand up and say, I want to be a bit more spiritual this year? Well, to be happy, according to the psalmist, is to be spiritual. The psalmist in Psalm 1 is going to tell you how to be happy. So it's okay to want to be happy. His definition might vary a little to yours. We're going to find that out. But we make resolutions because we want to be changed and we want to be happy. And the psalmist gives you a list of things, a couple of things to do and a couple of things you shouldn't do if you want to be happy. And he tells you, really, this is the resolution you should make. Uh, but he doesn't really tell you you should do it as a New Year's one because you'll forget it by day seven, it'll all be over. You should continually resolve to do this thing. So let's start in the, um, at the beginning, a great place to start. Um, it says this in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoff scoffers. So the first thing to talk about is there's the word blessed here at the start. So you can say that if you want to feel more spiritual about where we're going here. But blessed in this sense really does just mean happy. 
the word there just means happy. There is another word that can be translated blessed and it means receiving the special favour of God. This is not that word. I don't know how either of them sound. I won't put you through any Hebrew utterances. I didn't do any of that in college. My Greek is bad enough. But the word here, blessed, is just the general sense happy. So the psalmist is quite content for your goal in life to be happy. And it says there's things you should not do if you want to be happy. If you want to be a person who is happy, there are three things you should not do. You should not walk in the counsel of the wicked, you shouldn't stand in the way of sinners, and you shouldn't sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, I've heard this uh, preach before, and sometimes people make the case it's kind of a continuing journey into um, the wrong ways of life. Uh, you start walking, then you start standing, you, you sit, and then maybe eventually you lie down. But um, I was reading uh, one of the commentators, uh, Derek Kidner, he says, he defines this as three degrees of departure from God, not necessarily moves away, but it's three degrees of departure from God and he categorises them as um, counsel, so that's thinking, the way in which you think is one of the degrees in which you can depart from God. The second is the way of sinners, this is when your thinking reaches its natural conclusion and ends in behaviour. So, we go from thinking to behaving. Lastly, you shouldn't sit in the seat of scoffers and Kidna would call this the place of belonging. You've now settled in to a seat, you've taken your position permanently and for some of us, when we sit in a seat, it takes us quite a bit to get us out again. And this is the picture here, you are now not thinking, not behaving, you are belonging. So, what's interesting here is we see ways to define not just what a person does, but the scary part is this is who a person is. What you do comes out of who you are. That's quite a frightening thought, isn't it? Because oftentimes we like to discount our activity and our behaviour as just something we've done by mistake, on occasion. And we generally, everyone else that does the same thing, that's what they do all the time. So, you're in a rush, they're a bad driver. You know, you're under pressure, they're a liar. You know, we like to uh, give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, but really, over time, we've been thinking in a certain way and it's coming out in behaviour. And it's getting easier and easier because it forms into habits. That's where we're going. And so, the first thing you need to do is you need to avoid the counsel of the wicked, the way of the sinners and the seat of scoffers. And I think... It's so easy to get as many voices in your ear as you want um, these days, isn't it? With social media, the beautiful thing is the level, um, the platform level of communication is now flatter than ever. The bad thing is it's a very crowded platform and you're not sure who you should be listening to. Um, so the psalmist gives you some advice. Look at the ways that they think, the ways they behave as practice and ritual and look at who they belong to. You need to have your brain switched on when you're listening to advice. I think in the older days, um, you really just had to work out, were you going to listen to your mum or your mother-in-law? And that was it. That's all you had to worry about. But now, there's just a plethora of options. You can Google, you can be on Instagram, everyone's an expert. Um, sometimes they're doctors and then you find out their degree is in an unrelated field and you're not sure what to think anymore. So, the psalmist cautions taking counsel from those 
whose practices are evil. He counsels against, make sure you're not following those who are behaving in a way that is counter to what God has defined for life. He also says, don't belong in places where you reach the point of scoffing, of mocking, of ridicule of good. So, these are things you should not do if you want to be happy, if you want to be blessed. So, what should you do? In verse 2, it tells you what the person who is happy does. This person delights in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. And we look at those two things, don't we? We look at delight and law and we're sometimes wondering how those two things can match up. Because law sounds like just following rules, regulations, principles. Um, You know, it sounds a bit like if you want your marriage to be better, you should study marriage law. Do you know what I mean? You're going to read the handbook and find out how you get married and what happens if I want a divorce. You go, "That's that's not practical. But what the psalmist is saying here is, the delight in the law of the Lord is there because he's discovering the principles of the God behind the law. He wants to understand the way that God thinks, behaves and belongs. He wants to know the character of the Lord. And so he's delighting in the law to discover. Remember at the start that um, we want to change and people that change are quite interesting. If we never change, we'd we'd probably think each other a bit boring, potentially. Um, If you get married long enough, sometimes you don't know where to start your conversation on a date at the table across a meal because your kids aren't there and that takes up a lot of your conversation and you're a bit boring to start with, I certainly am, and you're like, what do we talk about? We never don't know what to do anymore. Don't have the kids here, we can't talk about behavioural issues. The good thing with God is he doesn't need to change but he's not boring either. God's sort of unfathomable, immeasurable in goodness, in greatness in love, in the way he deals in justice. And so, as you delight in the law of the Lord, you should be discovering more and more who God is. And you should be plumbing new depths and understanding of that. It should not be boring. There should be delight. That won't happen if you're rule following. That will happen if you're delighting to know the God behind the law, behind the principles, behind the wisdom. And this one takes such delight that he meditates day and night. It's a long time to be meditating, day and night. I've got a question for you this morning. What thing have you been most thinking about this past seven days? What thing have you most been thinking about the past seven days? That can be a challenge to us. What have I been thinking about most the past seven days? Is it something that would delight God? Is it something that aligns with God's thinking, behaviour and where he belongs? So, that is the key here. It's quite a simple thing, but simple is not always easy. So, don't listen to bad advice, don't follow along with bad behaviour, don't belong where bad people are, but understand who God is, understand what God's doing. And I love the songs this morning because they all talked about this grand idea of who God is and what He's doing and the way He interacts with us as humanity. That is where your delight should be. And the way those songs just strung that together was in such a beautiful way that puts majesty to it in the way the psalm does because this psalm is poetry about delighting in who God is.
Right, and so then we come to a simple little illustration to help us um, think through what it means to delight. So this person, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So the picture here is a tree and I've I've brought a tree here, it's only a baby tree but you've got to start somewhere. And this tree is planted by streams of water. Picture in your mind where you've been at a most serene location, where there's trees, there's a river, there's quiet sounds of birds tweeting, kids arguing. No, they're not there. They're not in this picture. Sorry, I've ruined it. But picture this place, the smells of rain on the, on the fresh grass. It's a beautiful place here. And this tree is planted in this place where its roots can go deep. There's only so much you can do as a tree, isn't there? You can't really move around a lot. So you've got to put your roots down deep and you really need water running by. You need to be drawing from something else other than yourself if you're a tree. So this tree is in the perfect place, but also it is doing the right thing. It's putting roots down deep. The result of that is it yields fruit in its season and there's no withering leaf. Now, I've deliberately faced this one away from you because it's still got its tag on there because I need the tag because I'm not a green thumb. I can just see all the details here. Do not put in the oven. You know, it's all there. Um, I need that sort of stuff. Does it, can anyone guess what sort of tree this is, just very broadly? And it's a, what is it? It's a green tree. But what type of green tree? Anyone have a guess? It's a hibiscus. No, this one um, bears fruit. Do you want to guess what type of fruit? No, it's not an orange. Any further? Ezra, you want to have a guess? Do you know? Oh, you read the tag, that's cheating. But yes, it's a mulberry tree. See, we went to a, um, a, a plant place as a family and had a bit of a fun time there. Um, not just because of the plants. Oh, it's not a plant place. It was a jungle walk as well for the kids. It was down near Aldinga, um, Wollonga. Anyway, we have a mixed relationship with our trees. We sort of have high hopes. This is kind of like New Year's Eve right here, isn't it? We're like, the things we could be this year. I could be a mulberry tree, I could be enjoying the fruits in its season. This one over here tells a different tale though, okay? I've got to confess my sins to you. This one here is what could have been. This is 2023 over here. Uh, So this right here, you probably don't know what that is because it doesn't know what it is. That's actually a coffee tree that I I got enthused about with Beck and we bought a coffee tree. It's coffee arabica, so it's the good stuff. So arabica is needs to be high grown ideally at high elevation and you get much more fruity and acidic beautiful berries which we then throw the berry away and just keep the seeds and roast it. Um, so it's not a robusta. So robusta kind of grows anywhere, coffee robusta is the other variety and um, that one's much more bitter. Um, it's a bit like some of people that have lasted the longest time are the bitterest, you know, they could survive harsh conditions. But what's happened here is this one is not flowering in its season, is it? It used to be much bigger, it's been trimmed off in the hope it will come back. It has not been planted by a stream of water. If I just do a soil check, that's very dry in there, so it's not been looked after. You'll notice a couple of other things have moved in next door. Uh, What was this one, Hun? We think that's a celery. That's just self-seeded out of another patch. I don't know what that is. Could be a raspberry, so we'll have to wait and see. But the point is, there's, there's two different stories here, other than the similarities to my New Year's resolutions from each year. Uh, this one's not doing well because it's not in the right place, it's not doing the right things, it can't put its roots down deep. And it's a really great picture, isn't it, the psalmist uses, 
to tell us what flourishing looks like. And, you know, the picture on this, hang on, let me turn it around so maybe you can see. This is why you buy it, because look what they tell you you're going to get. You're going to get beautiful mulberries. Now, I have great memories of mulberries, because my grandparents' farm down the southeast had this big old mulberry tree, not a dwarf, a full-size one. We used to climb in it and eat the mulberries and throw them at each other and get stained. Many great memories. My grandma would turn it into a delicious mulberry pie uh, that you ate with thick dollop cream and you always asked for extra helpings. So you have a bit of nostalgia and hope for the future when you see the sign there. Um, So it's a picture here of what can happen. It's a beautiful thing. That's what can happen in your life when you become happy, when you delight in God. You can bear fruit in your season. And in all that you do, you prosper. And right there, just remember, it's not a fortune cookie. It's, uh, it's wisdom literature. And wisdom literature, we have to put this little asterisk there, um, it means that it's about the general principles, discovering the general principles in which God has ordered the world so that we might flourish. And so this is not a, you know, a lock, stock and barrel guarantee that your year 2024, if you do this, will be the best year you've ever had on all metrics. Um, if you want to see what it's like to walk with God Um, through all circumstances, we could go over and read the book of Job, right? Um, He starts off like this and then ends up worse than that, doesn't he, when everything goes pear-shaped. And so it's not a guarantee, but the principle here is we will find, when we find delight in God, when we start to understand His wisdom and start to respond in our thinking, behaviour and belonging in the way that reflects Him, we're going to flourish and be happy as much as circumstances allow. And in fact, you, you have decisions to make this year that will change your circumstances. So you have an element of control of your life, doesn't feel like it all the time, but there are parts of your world that you can order and there are parts that are out of your control. But in whatever situation you find yourself, um, if you want to be in the best possible state of mind and the best place of happiness in your circumstances in 2024, The psalmist here poetically says you need to put roots down into who God is. Not just, you know, rigid, blind rule following, but understanding why the the rules are there and what they mean. Understanding that God cares about justice, God cares about love of neighbour, God cares about other people. When we start to understand that, we start to take joy in it, we start to meditate day and night. Now, there's a contrast to that. Um, so we've got to put this aside for a minute because I need some help here. My kids and, and the pastor's kids over there are the metric, the barometer in the room and when they're looking bored, it means we've got to change it up. So I'm going to get the kids to help me now. All right. And it's going to be a competition. So the contrast was, um, was chaff. Do you remember that in the text? That the wicked aren't so, they're like chaff, they get blown away. So do I have any um, kids that want to help me blow some chaff around? That would be great. So, as part of our continued um, coffee lesson this morning. Now, you have to come this side of the table, okay? So, line up. Line up around behind Lachlan's going first. Does anyone else want to join in? Okay, good. This is going to be a big mess. I should have brought the vacuum cleaner. But when you roast coffee, um, you do get some chaff. So, the bean is still wrapped in the little silver inner lining around the, uh, the bean. And as you roast it, it comes off, mostly, and goes into your chaff collector. Uh, but this is what your life will look like if you hang around the wrong people, think the wrong things and um, don't dwell on who God is. Now, this is the competition part. 
So let's see how far you can blow it that way. Do your biggest breath and I want you to blow that way. Ready? One, two, three, blow. Oh, okay, thank you. You can sit down. Thank you. Off you go. Your turn. Now, can you get further than that? Are you more of a windbag than your brother? Yes, he is. Thank you, Sammy. That's gone further. Got a new record here. I shouldn't make this competitive, otherwise Ezra's going to sort of pass out. Whoa, okay. Not bad. Very good. Okay, your move. Oh, great. You know you're into it when the spittle involved. Okay, here we go, Aliso. Yes, there is one that's gone a long way over there. Okay, I won't ask the adults because they'll probably want to do it as well. I'm just going to leave that there because um, then there's only one place to vacuum. All right, there we go. So there's our illustration. We've even got the springs of living water, which I'm going to just quickly top up on. There we go, there we go. That coffee is going to be ready uh, for next Sunday's church. I'll roast that one up. Uh, I'll put it on the roof of my house so it's at proper elevation. Um, wait till a clear moonlit night and harvest it. Right, where do we get up to? So that's the contrast. I love it when the, the psalmist gives us the poetic picture of what it means to flourish and what it means to fail, to have a fruitless year. There's nothing like, what do you do with that? I mean, it was a bit of fun for a moment and it's blown away. There's nothing good that can come of chaff. If you want to, you can lick some afterwards and it doesn't taste like really anything, okay? It's good for nothing. It's a brilliant illustration of the pointlessness of life without God, trying to do life without Him. And there's a result at the end of the text. The result is... Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Do you notice at the start of the verse, therefore, there's like a certainty there, isn't it? Because of these things, this will happen. Because we're following the logical conclusion here, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, blown away, destroyed, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And the word judgment there is kind of a vague word, um, is what the smarter people than I tell me about the text, is it's just a general term for judgment. So, it, we're not sure if it means the final judgment when God, um, you know, comes to, to judge our life and to see whether we've done good or bad, or it could just mean suffering the results of your actions. So, you've made bad choices, you've drifted along, it's been a chaff-like year, eventually that catches up with you. Um, it reminds me a little bit of, um, I'm not going to read it now, but you could make a note if you want, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. It talks about when we are judged and tested, that only the works that are like, only the things in our life that we've done that are the equivalent of gold and silver and um, precious stones will last under that picture of fire and judgment. Everything else, a bit like chaff, will get burnt up in an instant. The hay, the wood, all that sort of rubbish in our life that we've filled our lives so much with. So, that's, that's what will happen, a certainty that the wicked will not stand, they'll be judged, they won't be part of the righteous congregation. Um, but in contrast, the Lord, this is a beautiful word, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And there's an element here that not only does He know, but He cares, He knows and cares 
about the way of the righteous. He knows who the righteous are. Friendship with God is the goal that lasts, isn't it? Despite how your year's going to go. Wouldn't it be great if we were a bit more like Moses this year? Because Moses was said to be the friend of God. And then at the end it says, but the way of the wicked will perish, just to drive it home again. So that little last verse reminds me a little bit of John 3.16, isn't it? You know, where God sends His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. We can trust in that one, Jesus, who perfectly dwelt on the law of God and demonstrated every single day, um, who put Himself under the hand of the sinners and the scoffers to take our just punishment of death upon himself and anyone that believes in him can flourish, can have life. As John says, I think it is life more abundant than ever, not like my coffee plant. So that's my first Sunday of the year admonition to myself and to you because I'm not here to tell you how I do it great, that's why I'm going to tell you a bit about this book because someone who's practiced this probably more than I have. Those in my life who know me well know that I'm not someone with great lists of habits, schedules and routines, um, I need to work on that, uh, I need to change. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to help you put this into practice, so I need the, I need the young people again, okay, so we're going to hand these out. Now I'm going to refer to what I've given you today as a cheat seat on my great op shop purchase, Atomic Habits, it's about tiny changes that result in remarkable results. Um, I think it oversells at the bottom, I'm going to tell you just right now, an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. That's just there to make you buy the book, I promise you, there's hard work involved. But I'm going to give you a cheat sheet and one of the principles is there's four, hang on guys, I need you in a sec, I need you in a sec, I've just got to explain what they're getting. There's four laws about habits, about change and I'm going to demonstrate some of them right now. So the first one is um, make it obvious, so I'm going to give you a printout. All right, so it's going to be really obvious what we're doing. The other thing we're going to do is we're going to make it attractive. So I've only printed 20 off, so that means you're going to have to fight over them. It's that law of scarcity. No, I don't mean that. Share them, please. Um, but the goal is, maybe I'll have a coffee afterwards. Ezra, can you go and give some of those out down that side of the, of the room? Can you... It's probably not enough there. How many have we got? Okay, so I need your help. This is a proper... They need to read these. So you go that way. All right. Do you want to go with him, Micah, and help him, or do you want to do some of your own? And do some of your own. Well, Sammy, you're good. Do you want to go with him? Okay, you just start to give some out as I talk. It's fine. I've got my copy. So I wanted to help make it practical because just like happy is a um, is in this sense a spiritual word. Practical can be a spiritual word too. Sometimes we think if I'm making it a habit or a routine, somehow I'm less spiritual. But that's not the case at all. It's okay to think about how would we meditate day and night on the law of the Lord. And in this case, we can refer to not just the law, which the psalmist would have been looking back at roughly those first five books of the Bible, we've got the whole revelation, the whole counsel of Scripture to dive into, so we should be even more delighted. Um, so, I'm not going to go through the whole lot, you can, you can pick out your favourite ones over coffee or try and decipher it and decide if you want to buy the book. I got a bargain, one dollar in the op shop, just going to advertise, all books are one dollar, is that right Luke? End of the year sale, it's probably like 10 for a dollar because we're trying to get rid of stock. What's that? No, sorry, we're out. I had to make it scarce so people wanted it. It said, make it, make it attractive, it said. So I did that on purpose. 
Okay. Um, if you really want a copy, I can ping you a link to something or we'll work something out. Uh, so where was I? Um, so I just want to run you through some practical ways. So the first one is make it obvious when you want to change a habit. Uh, so if you can't see something, you're not going to do it. If you've got your guitar locked in like the top, you know, cupboard of your attic that requires a ladder and like then another step ladder in there, how often are you going to play the guitar? Not very often, right? It's not a good way to have it. Make it attractive. So pair it with something else is one way you can do it. Pair it with an action that you already do or join a culture where your behaviour is the normal behaviour. Secondly, make it easy. So you want to re reduce friction for new habits. This also goes, if you're trying to break a bad habit, you can reverse these. And he's got a, a summary of that as well. So if you want to stop watching so much Netflix this year, he suggests maybe take the batteries out of your remote after you've finished watching every time. Friction makes it hard to keep your habit going. So in this case, we want to reduce friction. We want to prime the environment and make it easier for future action. And lastly, make it satisfying. Uh, he's got things like use reinforcement, give yourself a reward. I don't know what that should be. Careful on the chocolates. Uh, use a habit tracker. And once again, you think, oh, I don't want to be legalistic and ritualistic. Well, you've got to find ways to make it satisfying. Um, so have a look through and have a discussion. Um, it's some modern wisdom that's been collated scientifically. But I just want to go through the top one of make it obvious, just to give you a few ideas. So the first thing that he suggests is that when you assessing your year, have a look at your habits you've already got. Like make a list of your day, your average day. What are all the habits you do? And make a habit scorecard. So put pluses on the ones that are really good for you. You're brushing your teeth, great. You're showering every third day, perfect. Tick that one off, plus. Bad ones, maybe you're eating the wrong foods, put a minus, whatever it is. Um, so you need to assess firstly, so you're aware of what's happening. So maybe in this case, how often are you meditating on God's Word? Um, what, are you, what is filling your head in its place? You need to get those habits down. What are the cues even for those thoughts? What, where are you when those thoughts are happening? What's prompting that? Secondly, be specific. You said it in 1.2. Use implementation intentions. And he says what you'll do is you'll say, I will do this behaviour at this time in this location. So there are a few ways we could meditate on Scripture. We could memorise um, some verses for the year. We could read, as Luke has perfectly pointed us to with the reading plan that's already printed out, so so perfect, grab one of those. Um, you could do a journal um, on your thoughts on a verse. There's many ways you can meditate. So be specific. I will read my Bible. How much will you read? Check a reading plan, otherwise you're not specific. At... 7am in my kitchen every day. So now you've gotten very specific. The other thing you can do is use habit stacking. After this habit, I will do the new habit. Okay. So this might mean that you now say, in that particular one, I'm going to make my coffee, which I love to do, and read my Bible straight afterwards. So every time I do coffee, I'm going to think, word of God. If you drink a lot of coffee like me, you're going you're gonna to meditate day and night. Because <laughs> you drank coffee all day, you're going to be up all night anyway. You may as well meditate. I do that sometimes when I'm sleepless. In my final moments, I pray because it's a win-win. Like either I'm getting closer to God or the devil puts me to sleep. So just a tip for you if you've got insomnia and drink too much coffee. So 
use your habit stacking. So after I do this current thing that I do all the time, obviously he points out if your habit is once a week, terrible habit to stack with. Like if you clean the garage once a year, do not pair your Bible reading with garage cleaning. Okay? Uh, so habit stacking. Secondly, design your environment, he says. Make the cues of good habits obvious and visible. So maybe you need to put a copy of your Bible, not your family favourite one, but your, maybe your cheapest one, on top of the coffee machine. It may fall into the grinds or the milk, but at least it's right there and you come out in the morning and you're going to get to the coffee machine and you, oh, that's right, I'm going to be creating a new habit. So that's how you can go through the first part of make it obvious. So I wanted to give you um, some tips so you can start small and build on it. Now, um, I have done this in one area of my life because I've been reading the book, not, not very regularly, to be honest, which is kind of ironic to me, but I do leave it by my bed, so it is obvious, and I do read it just out of sheer, so there's a, there's a tip that's working already. But one thing I want to do is I need to, I need to stay more active. I've got fairly young kids, um, they're getting faster and I'm getting slower, right? It's the old age thing, and I thought, I need, to, I need to work now to keep up with them. I'm not like Nick when my body stays in tip-top condition just by waking up in the morning, breathing God's good air and having one cornflake on the way to work. So I thought what I'm going to do is I'm going to stack um, some push-ups, but I'll do it as the shower warms up because you know, it's fairly instant hot water, but it takes a few minutes. But, so there's a bit of urgency too, I like it, because the water, I want it to get hot, but I don't want to waste water. So I get my towel and I throw it over the shower and I get the shower on and then in my PJs I drop down. And, you know what, there's no number on the push-ups. The goal is do at least a push-up. Get down there, you fat, lazy dad, and do something. And you know what, when I do that, and I've done it, I've, I've taken one day off on last Sunday, I didn't know whether I was religious or not, so I stopped on that Sunday. I didn't today, I did them because I thought, no, this is, there's no goal here other than push-ups. But it has changed the rest of my day. I'm much more likely to be active in other areas. And so now all I need to do is apply it to my Bible reading and I'll be winning for 2024, won't I? So I want you to remember for this year, if you want to flourish, if you want to be happy, that's okay but do it in a way that aligns with God's wisdom. And to discover that, you need to be in the Word for yourself and you need to do it regularly so you understand God's character. And that way your life can look like, you know, this best case scenario. Maybe you, at least you survive the year, but you will avoid a year of chaff, which we all want to avoid. So I want to leave you that thought and that challenge. What will you do? What will you choose one small, tiny thing. What, what can you do so more of your day and night is meditating? At the moment, it might be a very small part of your day. How can you increase that? What can you do to take delight in it as you do it? So I, wanna, I hope that becomes practical for you. And I hope that um, as we do this together, we start to become a community of people who reflect God more and more in His wisdom um, in his fair and just dealing with people, in his um, unbounding mercy for those who don't deserve justice or deserve the negative elements of justice. That's what might be the result. That might be the result here at City Reach Marion. We might be people where others visit and say, I can hear almost a stream rushing by and the birds tweeting and the kids arguing. Wouldn't that be amazing? Let's finish with a word of prayer.